Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of A Pod of Queens, a podcast about queens who wade into the steamy, steamy waters of culture, mama. You come for the hot takes and you say for the queens. This is your girl, Saj Dewey. I'm Gamal Salah. And I'm Jelani Carrington. Mm. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Um, so, to be honest, I will say that we have we started this chat about oh, an hour ago, and um, we've only now gotten the courage to start recording because it has been a morning. As everybody knows, we record on Saturdays. I believe we say that literally every podcast day. Saturday, Tuesday. Saturday, Tuesday. On Saturday, Tuesdays. <laughs> um, and yesterday we all found out late in the evening that Chadwick Boseman um, passed away and so I just full honesty I like really didn't I had a breakdown this morning and I was really not here uh, when we started talking but I am so fortunate to have beautiful people in my life who despite um, like my own personal feelings like uplift me and encourage me um, in a way that I have been able to continue on today so thank you to my queens um and just the biggest condolences in my heart is truly with all of um Chadwick's family because I can't imagine I can't imagine losing anyone like that's just terrifying but also to think about like how beautiful and impactful this man was and to have him gone for his family must just be the, the most heartbreaking thing um and to obviously have all of us now just knowing about what he was going through um, and having to be like, you know, there and facing how everybody else's reaction to him leaving. Um, I just, I'm, I'm devastated and I can only imagine how they must be feeling. So we love you, um, their family and to anybody who has been affected by his passing because it's really, as we said earlier, it feels like every week we come on this podcast to like grieve another person that we have loved and that has impacted us and we're saying goodbye to just so many people this year. Um, so, yeah. 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 And I mean, for me personally, it was, um, and I mentioned this on Twitter, um, like it brought up some past feelings because um, a similar thing had happened with my um, aunt who, who she um in high school she passed away of um cancer and she had had it for 12 years and just didn't say anything um well I don't want to put it like that she chose um to not tell anyone and to you know keep it to herself that also sounded like I'm I'm not blaming her like I understand I don't understand why she did it but she did it and I've you know accepted it um and I think Chadwick obviously I don't want to speak for him, but like did it for very different, more like private um, celebrity reasons. But um, it, it, it just did bring up those old feelings. I'm sorry, Jelani, because it's not. Yeah. It fucking sucks. Cancer is, um, I feel like it is just taking so many lives and it doesn't, it just doesn't even matter who you are anymore. Like, uh, you know, just so many people are losing their lives to the, to the battle with this disease that is really, really, um, 
just traumatizing and so painful to watch people go through. So, yeah, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's been, oh God, I don't know. It's been an extremely stressful year and I don't know if there's just like more people than usual in the public eye passing than in previous years or if we're more in tune to it just because it's been a shitty, shitty year for everyone um, and we're stuck at home like on the computer so we get the news almost instantly whenever things happen uh, but it's it's not a kind time we've only released 11 episodes and you know at least half of them start with us you know mourning somebody yeah yeah which is not the world I want to live in to be quite honest and I mean you know a lot of them have been people who which not that dying at any age is great but it really just feels just so shocking when you're like this these are people who are not much older you know in the grand scheme of things than us right like these are people who mm-hmm. for all like intents and purposes like should have had a longer life a lot of the time not all of them obviously but like it I think I think that's what's really hurt this year. It just feels like there was, there's been so much death that was like, shouldn't have happened, right? And like I said, not that there is a right time to go, but a lo- it just for me, it just feels so much like, why this person, why now? And like, there was so much that this person had left to live in their life. And it's like, I think that's what's really starting to weigh on me is it just really starting to feel like, um, there's just no right or wrong or there's no sense in this world. And we know that, but like when people, at least for me, when people young die, it really like solidifies that there's just nothing that we don't know anything about how this world works and when we're going to go and who's going to be next. And so it really makes you want to cherish the people that are around you as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're going to do um, a, a not light episode at all, to be honest. We're going to talk about something that is um, also crippling, which is student debt. Let's talk about it because money is on the mind. Um, I'm sure. Money on the mind. Uh, yeah. So, what do we think, y'all? I mean, I think we, it's fair to say that we all hate capitalism on this uh, podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and- <laughs> this is the first in the series called Pod Queens Solves the Capitalism Problem. Yeah, this yeah is- we're very anti-capitalism here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what do we, I mean, I feel like it is such a direct symptom of capitalism is student loan debt. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a symptom of so many things. Right. Um, it's, it's, I mean, the biggest thing for me is it just is predatory lending, um, mm-hmm. which, like, I was going to give a definition, but to be honest, I don't know if I could word the definition exactly. I wasn't a finance major. Leave me the fuck alone. Don't we're not scientists. <laughs> we're just podcasters. Want me to talk um, to we're real quick? Queens. <laughs> Um, sorry, repeat that. 
I said, do you want to want me to talk to Miriam right quick? I can go, I can go chat with her. See what she's got to say. I've you know what? <laughs> yes. Let's, let's get everyone a great definition. Everyone's accountant. Mm-hmm. So we can. Susie Orman. Do you think we could get Susie Orman on the pod? Mm. She's gay, right? Okay, we're taking Probably. a pause and okay. um, <laughs> we're going to have to cut We check. Google. Are you Googling, is Susie Orman gay? <laughs> no, she's Googling the definition. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, I'll handle that. I'll handle, is Susie Orman gay? <laughs> Susie yeah, Orman, Susie. wife? What? <laughs> Wait, did Portia actually uh, sign divorce papers for Ellen? Was that, or was that a Wait, thing? Wait, what? Did you remember that? You know, uh, Orman is a lesbian. Okay. Wait. Wait, Portia de Rossi, are they getting divorced? I, I think so. Maybe I made that up. <gasps> I had some weird, vivid dreams last night, Um. so. Oh, no, no, no. They were just rumors. Great. So, do we prefer the Wikipedia or the Investopedia definition of predatory lending? Um, probably WIC, right? Dealer's choice. Okay. So, according to the um, truest of true uh. Uh, <laughs> encyclopedia sources, predatory lending refers to the unethical practices conducted by lending organizations during a loan or origination process that are unfair, deceptive, or fraudulent. So. Gotcha. Um, I like taking money from a tiger. Because it's, it's one of those things where I could use it in a sentence, but if you asked me to give you the, like, word-for-word definition, I'd have been like, um, whom am? Mm-hmm. Now that we have that definition, I think that... Yeah. Um, banks loaning money to children fresh out of high school who are you know 17 or 18 years old um and being like yeah just sign this paper we'll give you the money that you need for school um and that's that and you'll pay it off once you graduate is completely ridiculous because you know what they don't tell you is so so much that you'll be paying off this money for the rest of your goddamn life because of the interest rates or that you know once you get out of school even if you don't have a job um you better give me that sh money you better figure it out like especially, or you're gonna you know ruin your credit score in your life like yeah especially because there's also so many um types of student loans right and depending on the type that you like decide to take out the way in which you need to pay it back, the time in which you need to pay it back, like your ability to, um, what's that called? To go, not forbearance, but to like, um, I don't know, finance word, finance word, finance word. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> what, a, yeah, what a fucking finance absolutely. queen, I love this. Uh, she's a finance queen! Uh, no, but you know, there's, there's the defaults. There you go, when you, to default on your loan. Like, all of those things, like, you just don't know. As someone who um, does have a little bit of student loan debt, I can tell. Just a petite. Just a petite. I mean, but actually, if I told somebody my student loan debt, they'd be like, oh, that's, like, not bad, which is insane. Because, like, to me, being $30,000 plus in debt is, the idea that someone can tell me that's not bad is quite ridiculous. Um, but, like, yeah. Right. This is when I come out live on the podcast and say that I do not have any student loan debt um, because my mother, one of the, oh God, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. One of the few good things I have to, I have to give her props for is that she 
sent me to a city school, famously cheap. Uh, I stayed at home during college for most of my college time. So we didn't pay for housing. Uh, and she, we had like the family paid for my, however, a couple of less than $10,000 a year tuition at a city school. Um, and she said, you're not going to have student loans because it's a trap. And we're going to send you to the, the cheapest school we can that still gets you a college degree. And you're going to be happy about it. Uh, and I wasn't happy about it because I was like, oh, when I go to the big schools, and I went, da, da, da. you know, when you're a brat, you're like, I just want to go to the big colleges. I want to have the real college experience. Now I'm glad I didn't have the real college experience, though. I would like right, to also that. come out and say that I don't have yeah. any student loan debt. Um, yeah, similar story, similar story. Similar story. I uh, also went to, I went to two city schools um, and uh also lived at home uh but i am not i wouldn't say listen 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 linda um my personal beliefs are that while there is a middle class there isn't really a middle class and like while we should acknowledge that some people are like dirt poor and some people are like you know um a little bit left over after you know some people are living check the check and some people are living like a check and a half to a check and a half, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, to me, really, if you ain't that, not, if you ain't like the top 10%, if you ain't the top 20, the top 35, like you might as well be poor. Um, and so I'm poor. Um, FAFSA, shout out to you. She paid all of my tuition. Um, mm-hmm. The girl did the thing. Um, I just have I to agree to serve in the military, allegedly. Um, they think I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to serve the military, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly, I mean, allegedly, I, allegedly. I mean, listen, listen, listen. I would never joke about the Trump administration and how evil they are, but I will say that trans people um, are not favored in the military right now. So you know, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> I think I'll be fine. <laughs> Jelani walks in and they're like, um, actually. <laughs> you gotta get out of here. <laughs> um, um, hey, mama. So, you know, when are we gonna go imperialize? And they're like, <laughs> um, can you leave? <laughs> actually, don't. Well, so it's, it's like Nia Miller. I'm combat Barbie going to come. <laughs> yes, <Cadet> Kelly <laughs> better. <laughs> but, uh, oh my God, Cadet Kelly, what a moment in culture. What a time to be alive. Since, Jelani, you mentioned um, how there is no middle class, that brings me to my, um, my kind of off-the-cuff hot take for today's topic on student loans, lend me a dollar, uh, which is, I do believe, okay, I'm a conspiracy theorist, I do believe that student loans, while yes, like, you go to the banks for your student loans and the banks are shitty, they are, like, a symptom of, like, the schools, like, the, the big major schools, most schools that aren't, like, the city schools that, okay, we attended. Um, charge a pretty penny for for tuition and they really don't need to i mean i'm talking like 30 40 50 thousand dollars a year for a year of education like that's also like part of the problem right and which leads students to go to the banks to get these big loans so i which which are which they can never pay back right mm-hmm. it makes it seem like there's this con- like this concerted effort this conscious effort to eradicate 
any sense of a middle class by like saying like if you want a good like well-paying middle class job you need to go to the best schools but in order to go to the best schools you have to pay like fifty thousand dollars a year which is like a salary well this i think one student to go to the school and then if you want that you have to take out loans and then you'll be paying back those loans for the rest of your life effectively like you will not become the middle class you went to college to become well, it's more, I feel like that's a part of it, but also it's the idea that, like, why that happens is because they don't want poor people to have an education, right? They're trying to price Surely. poor people out of it. And the only way that they can get away with not having it be on the books that, like, poor people can't attend school is by saying, well, here's the price. The only way that you can come here is if you get a shit ton of loans or you have to be the most exceptional poor person and get um, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of. Uh, grants or scholarships. Mm-hmm. And listen, I do. Th- oh, shout out to um, a friend of mine who oh, did oh. get a four-year scholarship to NYU. A fucking yes. genius. A fucking scamp the system, the whole system. Um. And if you're listening to this, and your parents paid for your education, and they mm. paid for your apartment in New York City, and you think that we hate you, I can't speak for Gamal Sajda, but I hate you. Um. <laughs> And you need to redistribute that wealth a little bit. Tell your parents that you have some yeah. still, like the school fucked you over and that you have like $30,000 you still need to pay um, and then redistribute that money. Uh, I could be convinced. I could be convinced to like you. I'm like, you can't see me, but I'm looking you dead in the face. Redistribute that money, bitch. I'll take uh, money yeah. though, if you want to. I'm not above taking money um, as a poor myself at this day and age. Daddy producer, sorry, I've been out of this conversation for the past 35 seconds because daddy producer Coco has decided to write me little notes of what he, how he would like to enter in this conversation. He's got a lot to say about capitalism, you think? What would he like to enter that into evidence? He would like yeah. to into the he chat. He better watch out what he says. And post. Um, <clears throat> I'll try and read it in the best Coco voice. He, no, I'm not. Oh, don't talk, Sam. Don't talk, Sam. Don't talk, Sam. <laughs> Huge salaries for top university positions and boards is also, I think, what he's saying, part of why things are so expensive and, like, what people are getting into debt for is to, like, pay these higher, like... Why are universities charge so much? Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. He just spoke. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that, I think that's a voice, part of it voice. because I think so many schools um, at the school we went to and at the chairman... Um, so many schools would rather put into position a public figurehead who looks good than someone who's totally. actually qualified and knows what they're doing. Um, and so like, you know, you have a theater program that's like, this person has no experience in education, no degree in education at all, but like, we're gonna make them the chair of this department. Um, and gonna they abuse are... their employees constantly. Yeah. I don't know who we're talking about, though. I know. This sounds like uh, uh, Megary Grosher, maybe? Megary Grosher? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> uh, the name escapes me. The name yeah. escapes me. Use my brain. Um, well, yeah, I mean, even, even the, the, the famous city schools that we attended that we're alluding to um, are, are not exempt from this, right? Like, they do have, like, people at the top who are paid so much money, and people like me and Sajda who we ended up working there uh, as uh, administrative assistants and I just like lost my job for the second time this summer so and if any listeners are hiring bro I'm available <laughs> I'm a fantastic employee I'm an icon to have in the workplace so um 
hit me up. Same here. You but can like, really get me for a diversity hire and I will quit my job. Yeah. So don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm so, I'm pretty diverse. I'm wearing a Kafia shirt right now. I mean, I'll also join on that bandwagon. Um, kind yeah, of we're all queens. available. <laughs> we're, we're all available. We're all highly qualified. We're better than any employees you've ever had in your life and any employees you will ever have. I mean, fact, actually, me. if you ask any of my past employers, they will tell you that I have been one of their best employees and they're all, they've all been so sad to see me go. So uh, I promise. Yeah. I mean, when I worked retail, honey, oh, 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 uh, oh. It's over for you, hoes. <laughs> It's over for you, clothes. Managerial experience. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was that cashier. Had you checked out in two point five seconds, yeah, um, and got you the best discount. Um, I was mm. kilting it. Um, hey. This is actually just our resume. This is actually just our resume. <laughs> this episode. But truly, you know, I'll put Venmo in the box if anybody wants to Venmo me money to pay off my student loans because I'm here. Yeah, I'm down for donations also. Uh, redistribute your wealth. Give Sajda um, those forty acres and a mule so that she can pay off her yeah. loans. Oh my God! I, I'll keep the uh, the forty acres. I might sell, but I'll keep the mule. Mm. Yeah, we, everyone needs a mule. Everyone needs a mule. I mean, in New York City, honey. Know. Oh, that's transportation. That's free that's transportation. Never done a mule. I don't need that. Come handy. I got my mule, baby. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yes. So also, okay. So, but thinking about, I think back to the idea of like student, I do want to talk about because I like Gamal and Jelani went to a quote unquote reasonable, affordable. Uh, we can say the name of the school. Went to Hunter College. Well, I went to Hunter College, Hunter College, CUNY City University of New York, Hunter College. Yeah. And um, like, despite being in state tuition and all of that, the idea that um, I actually couldn't afford, not couldn't afford, I didn't um, qualify enough for FAFSA because apparently my mom made too much money and yet here I am with $30,000 of loans later. So it's like these city schools, these, you know, I, it's actually one of the things that I, drives me crazy about Hunter and their higher administration because everybody likes to do that. We're so affordable. We're so affordable. We're so affordable. Well, if I can't actually pay it and also like, afford to live in the city so that I can go to school, then you're not affordable, right? Like, what, like, yeah, there's, there needs to be a, <laughs> there needs to be a rubric or um, a requirement to be able to call yourself affordable. Right. Like, affordable means people aren't taking out ridiculous student loans. Right. Um, it also means that, like, people can afford either to house themselves via your housing bullshit or, like, should be able to get, like, an apartment near school um, and no one in their right mind would be able to afford an apartment on the upper um, west side where we went to school. East. None of us, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, look, that's actually why I was in student loan debt, is that my mom, I could not, or I did not want to um, stay at home because where I lived in Queens at the time was... Commute three, three hours every morning. It would have taken me three hours to get to school. So I was like, even though this is Queens, this is still not, like, accessible to get to school, to and from school. Um, and it won't be safe if I have like night classes because then I'd be coming home by myself as a woman at 18 years old, not a good idea. Um, mm -hmm. So I took out the loan so that I could live 15 minutes away from school on the Upper East Side. And like, mm -hmm. that was the reason I had to was so I could go to school and feel safe and feel like I had a place to stay that wasn't mm -hmm. going to like 
hurt my education because that that commute would have not been okay. Um, yeah, as someone who lived in Brooklyn and was like an hour to an hour and a half away from school, like it did affect my education. Um, it affected my morning classes, especially. <laughs> Of course. Oh, I, I eventually, I eventually, I gave up on morning classes. I said, "There's no point in these." Yeah, yeah, yeah same. I, like, unless I absolutely had to, I wasn't. But like, sometimes I really did have to. Like, sometimes the, the schedules right. weren't, you know, in the favor of. I put off my French classes for like two. I like took French one, French two, um, and then put off taking French three and four for a while because I was like they're all in the morning and I can't do that. So yeah. it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. By the time I, we, I ended up graduating almost all of like the higher level media courses that I could take to fulfill my second major were all in the, the nighttime. So it's like, there was no way I was going to go back to Cambria freaking Heights, taking a train at nine o'clock at night after I got out of school. You know what I mean? Like I get up at 1130, 12 o'clock AM. Right. Like it just, it's in, Everything about higher education is fucked in my opinion. Oh, and especially we did theater. We were theater people. We are theater people, um, or I guess were because it's yeah, theater doesn't exist anymore. Um, but like, bitch, rehearsals and like shows, like right. you really weren't getting out of school until ten. Yeah. If you were an actor and if you were doing tech work, like me, you were getting out at eleven. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. So you can't have your this university is truly forcing um like any extracurricular activities or anything that is like outside of I mean even just the classes themselves but definitely anything that's outside of the classes is for rich people right like you're only you're that mm -hmm. is for people who can like afford to not have it right because being in those shows and having a job was extremely difficult at some points I ended up quitting my job in order to I could pursue the thing that I really enjoyed which is I also did that. Yeah. And you're like, how are you expecting people to um, pay for this education, then also be able to use whatever quote unquote benefits that you have or opportunities that you have while also trying to work and keep up with schoolwork? It's just insane. And so there's no wonder that so many, um, so many young people have so much student loan debt because it's in, Right. It's impossible at this point. Even like I'm saying, even at low tuition schools, like you can't escape. But then there's the um, the um, idea of of like type of school, right? Like Hunter, where we went, was like cheap, but also like still restrictive in its way. Um, but then like kind of looked down upon when it came to like the NYU's, like not to call it, I don't know. On the one hand, I'm like, I don't want to make it anyone felt, went to NYU feel bad, but like also like, you know. Fuck NYU. You don't, have, you don't have to feel bad. Like you got, you got, you got a nice thing. You can enjoy your nice thing. I'm just saying like, I'm it wasn't important to a lot of people. But I'm gonna shit on it for me. Yeah, like, for me. you can shit well, on the institution and not the that, Right, no, no, like it's good that you got the nice thing. You should have the nice thing, but like that nice thing is not available to everybody, right? Um, and that's okay. Like it's just like I don't. I guess we're getting into privilege conversations. Like you can have privilege and like it's fine, but you know, acknowledge that you have that. Um, and some people don't. Anyway, like there's this idea that like NYU is like such a much better school than like oh you went to a city school, <laughs> you're nothing. Like you're no one, right? And the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of like 
people of color who go to these city schools and NYU, there are lots of white people. Uh, and that's, that's also like part of it, I think, like class and race are intertwined and mm-hmm. who are you pricing out of your fancy school that is the one that matters and what does it say when the world at large specifically maybe even like the theater world or the entertainment world that we work in um, sees those more expensive schools as having more value when they're housing people who are either wealthier come from wealthier families come from more well-off families at the very least or who are willing to take a massive risk and gamble with these insanely high student loans and what does that say about again gatekeeping and who you're letting into your industry this is not a very funny episode i'm sorry but like life is hard um get into it (laughs) uh what does that say about gatekeeping and who you're allowing into your industry and what are the implicit biases of of when you say like oh you went to that school that's the cheap school you know the implicit bias you're saying is like oh you're poor you're not worth it mm. and, and i think it's really Ooh, fight go for it jelani baby okay um also fun fact when i was younger um i mean and still to this day like my mother's expression whenever i say life's hard she's like yeah life's a bitch and then you die um it's true which is why I'm like this. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to say also, as, again, keeping with this idea that schools get to call themselves like affordable or cheap or whatever, when in fact they are not, none of them are. I mean, even Hunter, which for me was pretty cheap. I mean, it was cheap because I lived in New York City and I got to claim in-state right. tuition. If you were claiming out-of-state tuition, you were paying at least double, if not triple, the tuition right. for fucking school. It was absolutely crazy like i have friends that i'm like truly i don't know how you're like how how are you getting through this which is wild that they they include jersey is not like in-state tuition because there are like some parts of jersey that are closer to that school than like fucking albany if you're up in like albany or the catskills you'll get to pay in-state tuition at a cuny school but if you're across the river in Jersey City, you have to pay out-of-state tuition that's wild we we have a friend who had to do that and it was like that's so ridiculous like yeah it's crazy um and i hate it and also um i also hate now i'm just ranting about hunter um the fact that there are these these, um these institutions that are specifically not made for but that are um you know by merit and the fact that they are affordable quote-unquote and that they are charging less um their people of color are more inclined to uh, apply and go to those schools and yet there are no people of color working in the administration or on the educational level at these schools they're still only white people it's still mostly white men and no matter where you go and it's fucking just also also um like three years ago the president of City College was like arrested and sent to jail for stealing money. And I'm not saying that J-Rab at Hunter College is doing that, but if someone were to look into it, I wouldn't be shocked if it was <laughs> happening. Um, Should we cut this out? <laughs> we can cut out the part where I said J-Rab, but I well, do want to say it, that yeah. the president of City College, like three or four years ago, did go to jail because she was stealing oh, yeah. money from her school and from her students, literally to pay off her her mansion ass house mm-hmm. like 
and yeah, you can't I won't trust say this on pod, but yeah, right. But there's right, and so if that was the one time it was found out, can you imagine like what's not being? Right. What we don't know is really the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But Sasha, you had something to say in my um, Gamal versus NYU rant. Oh, well, okay. I don't remember. I don't think. But I, what I was going to okay. say, well, yes, it will kind of I remember and kind of I don't. But the part that I do okay. remember, <laughs> the part that I do remember is also that, like, the idea of the city slash affordable school is also, like, thinking about people that want to get an education who do not have the ability to be a full-time student. Like, you, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine trying to go to NYU or a private college. Part-time? And, and part-time. Like, how could you possibly oh, remotely so afford that? It means that you're, you are, anybody who's, like, has any family issues, like, whether or not they're, like, raising children or just taking care of people in their family, like, you have already priced them out of being able to get your, go to your institution. And, But like, you know what? Oh, my God. No, I'm just, I, I mean, yeah, that's just, like, there are so many levels as to how higher education is, like, fucked up. And so, like, that it just, everything about it just keeps, just reaffirms to me that it is not about, that higher education isn't about educating people um at all well it's definitely not about educating uh poor people at all it is really about mm-hmm. giving um access to those who have wealth already to like network with pe- with the other people who have wealth and to like learn how to keep their wealth like that is what higher education is about oh absolutely mm-hmm. i went to a city school for um my undergraduate for grad school oh i will be shelling out the money um that i don't have to network and like because that's what grad school really is i mean like it partially is to finish your degree quote unquote but also like so much of grad school is just like meeting more people in your field who are like working and doing interesting things grads i mean again because we're all theater people grad school is so expensive i mean last year i bit the bullet and i applied to a bunch of grad schools that i could you know I applied to five actually because application fees be steep. Um, but like application just, fees, motherfuckers want to charge you to apply and get declined. Truly, <laughs> it's like when we moved and Spectrum wanted to charge me ten dollars to set up my own Wi-Fi. I said, "Excuse me, you charging me to do all the work for you? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> they, um, wait, what? <laughs> they did Spectrum they did. when we when we moved we, when we moved um, we had to move our Wi-Fi and I called them and said, "Hey, we're having a new apartment." And they're like, "Okay, cool, yeah, now it's set up. You could just plug it in, set it up yourself." I said, "Okay, cool." I got an email saying there was a ten dollars self setup fee. I gotta pay them because I did all the work. Uh, and Spectrum, I hope you're listening. Capitalism <laughs> fucking sucks. I will not be coming back, Spectrum. I will not be coming back. Oh no, I can't uh, wait for they go under. It's gonna be. I'm gonna have, like throw myself a party. Yeah, um, but I will say going back to NYU part-time stuff. I knew one guy who he worked. I think admin assistant at NYU. If you work at NYU, even if you're just like an admin assistant, you get to take classes for free, y'all. Which NYU, I'm available to work. Even though I said all that shit about you, like I'm a great employee <laughs> and I'm, I'm down to work for you uh, in this hard time. Um, but mm-hmm. this guy I met like years ago. He was like, "Yeah, I work at NYU. I get free tuition." I said, oh, he said, so I'm, I'm, I'm studying. I said, what well, are you studying? He said, I'm, I'm studying happiness. Mama. I love him. 
You, he you go to NYU for he free, is. study happiness. That, that he made is. his own major. He made his own major. He said, can, I said, can you imagine if you went to NYU, said, so I'm going to study happiness. Imagine oh, if you were paying yeah. to go to NYU. If you were paying to go to NYU, you're like, I'm majoring in happiness. So, fuck you. No, you're not. But since he's getting all his classes for free, I said, you can major in whatever you want. You can learn how to be happy. Listen. Baby. Listen. If they're going to pay fun. me to do it, I will do whatever the fuck I want. Fine. I mean, I would just try mm-hmm. to get into this at that point and <laughs> just be like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> no, but I also think, and this goes back. So the, the idea of grad school um, is so much more selective than um, undergrad. Oh, Again, 100%. because they're trying to keep gatekeeping. I call gatekeeping. gatekeeping. GK. The gatekeepers yeah, are gatekeeping, y'all. Um, all the all the programs I applied to, they're like, we accept five students. We accept t- the most. I think someone was like, we accept fifteen to twenty students. And that was NYU for their playwriting program. I still didn't get accepted. It's fine. That's so funny because someone um, I know who went to NYU for costume design for mm-hmm. grad school was like, oh, there were six people in my class. <laughs> so yeah, crazy. Like so their crazy. graduated class was six students. Which is yeah. so. In- I mean, I'm all about like you know individual learning and teaching and whatever, but like. That's not. It's like, not that. That's not why. That's not why. No, but it's also. It's just like it, that's not. Uh, how is anybody gonna live up to those standards? How do you, you know what I mean? Their pool of people who are applying is so so large. So like, what are you actually doing? Because there's no way that only six people deserve that spot, right? And that opportunity. So really, how are you picking the people who get into that program? You're probably going to pick one person of color because you have to, and then everybody else will be white. And, and four white people. And exactly. And it's just like, it, it allows, it allows exactly what we're talking about for the, for the school to be as selective as they possibly want to be about who actually attends and only to put people in programs that they think are going to make them look better. And you know what I mean? It's not about educating anyone. It is about the presentation of this higher education and how are we going to have people who are going to like move forward in the world after this, um, praising NYU for their opportunity to go, right? Because it makes anybody who gets into that program feel like, oh, I was so special. Like, I, I was the one six. I'm good. I'm really good, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then... It must mean that I'm that good, which is actually, it's so subjective. I'm sorry. It, it absolutely is. So it's just infuriating. Not that you're not good. It's just that lots of people are, are really good, actually. Um, sorry about it. Oops. I'm not... Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Which, like, if you got into the program, so I'm happy for you, but I'm just saying. <laughs> what? I said, if you got into those programs, I'm happy for you. I'm just saying. That's like, good for you. They're um, exclusionary, you know? Yes, yeah. 100%. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say, and it's such a weird place to be in because, like, someone once called me elitist because I, um, was talking about like grad schools that I wanted to go to. Um, also, it was a white man, and I was like, "You have no authority okay. on calling anyone yeah. this. Shut the fuck up." Um, but it's also ridiculous that like people of color feel pressured to go to these like d- you know Ivy Leagues and these um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I don't know these like famous schools and whatnot. These like higher education places um people of color feel so pressured to like break into those spaces specifically because we know that like going to those is the only way that you actually 
thrive and survive, especially when you're in the arts. Like, truly, if you're not going to some of these programs, it's like you basically, like, not that you don't exist and that you aren't going to, you know, make money in your field and whatnot, but, like, you're just going to struggle. You know what I mean? And even once you get into those programs, like, you're still going to struggle, but, like, you just have, like, a bit of a leg up on everybody else. I always love to tell the story, which I don't know if I've told on the pod yet, but, like, I went into an audition, and they looked at my resume, and they saw that I had put, as you do for your resume, you don't just put the college you went to, you put the name of the theater. So I put below the Frederick Lowe Theater on my resume, as I should, because that's where I performed. And the person looked at my resume, and they're like, oh, wow, Frederick Lowe, oh, you went to NYU. And I was like, oh, no, 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 like, we have a Frederick Lowe at Hunter, too. And truly, the drop in that bitch's face, she was like, oh, like, I wish, oh, for 2.5 seconds, I wish that podcast was a visual medium, because her face, she was not having any of it. After that, she, she was, was blocked. Like, she was like, oh, okay, that's nice. Oh, I didn't know. Cool. Like, But was she white? Can I ask? Of course she was white. <laughs> okay, cool. Good. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I'd need to, uh, I needed, I should have uh, prefaced it. But- <laughs> you should have prefaced. Hey, so this elitist racist white woman. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, please, 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 please. You're right. Call you're her right. by her name. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Timothy Chalamet, who went to NY, no, did he go to NYU? He did go to NYU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he went to NYU. He went to NYU and LaGuardia, which if you're not in New York, LaGuardia is like the arts high school. Um, Good for them. Okay, I sound so bitter on this episode, I swear <laughs> to God. I'm a happy person who likes having fun and is a fantastic employee. I went to a performing arts <laughs> middle school and then like it came time to apply to high schools. And like, yeah. also, if you're not from New York, the idea of applying to high schools might sound it's really weird, but it's truly a thing that you have to do. It's fucking crazy. Um, and so like, I'm applying to high schools as one does in New York. And I was about to apply to LaGuardia and then a bunch of people I didn't like from my middle school, some, some people who bullied me even, um, were applying. And I was like, mm, that's a no for me. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know when I was a child that I wanted so desperately to go into like the performing arts. I was like, yeah, I guess I'll just like be a painter or something. So like it was never in my wheelhouse to be like, yeah, I know at fucking... 12 years old, yeah, I want to go to a performing arts school and devote the rest of my life to this thing. Like, wow, what pressure to put on somebody. But also because I feel like children are not, uh, TBH, I feel like, uh, like a lot of people, especially older people, don't take into consideration like what makes young people happy, right? The idea that like, my mom knew that I was going, like, that I loved performing, that I loved theater, that I loved anything to do with the arts from a very, very, very young age. And the fact that like, that was not made a priority because n- the arts are never made a priority. Um, mm-hmm. It's so annoying, right? And then all of a sudden you're asking these like 16 year olds to be like, well, is that really what I want to do? Should I go to this high school for, you know, should I be thinking about my future or do I want to like make sure that I have friends with me when I go to school? You know what I mean? It's like so, it's so ridiculous in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There wasn't really yeah. anything there, well, but thank I you. like. No, no, no. There was definitely something there. I mean, I think you know, I think my family, like, kind of understood. Like, I started, I was in plays in, like, the fourth grade. I was that nerd. Um, and so I think through that, my parents, like, 
put me into this middle school that was like kind of performing arts, but it was also just like supposed allegedly a really good school that had just opened up in Brooklyn. Um, and th like the focus there was like the humanities. So they were all about like writing and the arts. Um, and so like it was built into your schedule that you were taking an arts class, but then you could also like take one after school or whatever. And so I really was just like, in the seventh grade, I was in a production of um, A Raisin in the Sun. That's what, that's what we were doing. You <laughs> better work. I was Bobo. Oh my God. I was the one white character. The one what? I was the one white character in um, A Raisin in the Sun. Because also Bless. it was a lot of people of color, which was incredible. Um, Gorgeous. It was a black woman as my teacher. She was like, all right, it's seventh grade and y'all don't know what's up yet, but I'm gonna make you know what's up. A raisin in the sun, let's go. Y'all are gonna learn today. Um. <laughs> Housing is a fucking problem, okay? Like, let's talk it about is. it. I have a question. Did you wear a, a white face costume? I did not. Damn, <laughs> wasted opportunity, wasted opportunity. I know, it would have been so good. Um, but yeah, like my parents put me in that and then I had an interest in it and then uh, that's what happened. Um, but you know what there wasn't? Student loan debt. So oh, shout out to a high school and middle school, I guess, for educating me <laughs> the way I wanted, but um, for free. And it's so funny that you played the character named Bobo because it makes me think of Scarlet <laughs> Bobo. It makes me want to go away from student loan debt and up to Canada for a second. What a segue. What? Because, Mama, we're not cavemen. We are watching Canada's, Canada's. Drag Race. <laughs> Canada's. Oh, sorry. Was there a lag? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, this was the day we were all dreading. The episode that we all knew was kind of coming. Jelani was not uh, dreading it. <laughs> was not dreading it? No. Okay. Is that that I wasn't dreading it? I was just like... <laughs> Okay. I think, <laughs> I think that okay, wait, wait, wait. Hottest take, hottest yeah. take. Okay, um those. famously on Drag Race, I don't think that there's ever really been more than one clown, especially in American drag race. Like there's usually just the one mm -hmm. super weird queen. And I feel like this season we got two because we got Scarlet Bobo who's kind of a clown, oh but we God. got Jimbo who's like really clown. Yeah. And I think as long as Jimbo was in the competition, Scarlett wasn't going to go anywhere. Scarlett was not going to get dragged for anything that clowns usually get dragged for because Jimbo was there to take the heat, is what I'm thinking. Mm. Um, because I think even when like clowny characters and uh, drag queens are on Drag Race, even if they're doing well, like Jimbo, they get read for filth for no reason other than like, the judges usually lack um, imagination. Um, I said it. Like thinking about Crystal Method's treatment in um, season 12 when she really was doing amazing, but they continually were just like, mm, I don't know about this. Like clowns just always, you know, lack respect that they deserve. But it worked for Bianca Del Rio. It did, it did. But also, that season was a lot. Right. Um, it was, yeah, I agree. Season six was a great season. Like, the drama, the intrigue, everything was there. Um, mm -hmm. But if we're being honest, there were, like, five talented queens on that show, and they made it to the top five. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that the rest weren't talented, but like there was a certain level of like polish, like creativity, uniqueness, nerve, and talent that Uh some of them were serving and the rest kind of weren't. They just needed a little bit more seasoning, you know what I mean? And they just weren't there. Yeah, I mean, Gia in season four of All Stars is honestly oh incredible. Should have made it to the top. I said what I said. Yeah, it's uh, oh, I love Gia. That Kabuki, oh my God. Oh, brilliant. So Rob Queen, so Rob cool. Queen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We did get to the, um, the moment in which uh, Jimbo had to leave us because we knew it was going to happen because they were never going to let Jimbo get to the top. So. They were just like constantly, I mean, for me... Jimbo was just clearly doing consi- consistently the best almost every week, almost every week. Um, and that they just refused to like see her or award her. It just became clear. They were, they were like doing everything in their power to not have this girl win. Like mm-hmm. it was clear that she was going to. And they made sure to keep her out of the finale too, because I think if she made it to the finale, I think they knew that it'd be clear what happened. Like, so many fans, so many other Drag Race girls. I mean, everyone sees that Jimbo is, like, the one to beat this season. Uh, and everyone's like, Team Jimbo, Team Jimbo, Team Jimbo on social media. And if they made it to the end with Jimbo in the top three, they would have had to crown her. I think maybe not maybe not because they wanted to, but because of the fan reaction would be so overwhelming. And so they avoided that by just eliminating her right now before the finale, so that wouldn't be an issue. Which... I mean, it's just so sad because it takes a I mean, lot of foresight, but yeah. Well, I, it does take a lot of foresight. I don't know. I think I don't know how you could be doing as well as she was doing and not think that the audience would love her. Because I don't think that they saw her as doing that well. I think that they saw her as like, you know, semi high sometimes, but like for them, I feel like they just thought that Jimbo was just like a nice safe they didn't want to they never actually thought that she was worth winning because they only gave her one win right so mm-hmm. they me, didn't see her as exceptional exactly which so is crazy to, because she was the best thing on that season same conspiracy oh coco has, yeah, a, Kanata has a conspiracy Daddy, mr coco has a conspiracy do you want to talk about it should i say it go for it okay this yeah, is coco's, coco's conspiracy corner <laughs> uh, <laughs> My conspiracy is based on what the little that I know that's been presented to me through this show is that the top three that we have, which is Rita Vega, uh, Priyanka, and Scarlett Bobo, are where the most popular and well-known drag queens in Canada going into the competition. Other than Tenement. Sure. Um, but the way that they in- entered the room and the way that they have been like mentioned throughout uh, makes you feel like the producers wanted them to be the top three from the beginning and were lopsided by Jimbo and nobody's kind of rise into superstardom. So I think the game has been rigged. <laughs> well, it does. I agree with that. No. Right? <laughs> I mean, I agree with that because it's quite obvious. I'm, and I mean, it's just so upsetting. It's so, that's so upsetting. It's so upsetting now because... Like, if you look online, Jimbo has a bigger following than most of the top. Like, on Instagram, Jimbo has more followers than anyone on Canada's Drag Race by a long shot. Uh, And on Twitter, he's overshadowed by Lemon and Priyanka, but, like, he's, like, the third one there. Uh, Did you imagine that Lemon has more followers on Twitter than on Instagram? It's crazy, because she's, like, a fashion gal. Um, 
But like Jimbo overshadows the entire cast in outreach and in fans. And like, we have a top three that the world at large doesn't really respond to very much. I mean, the one that people are responding to the most is Priyanka, which is crazy because I don't think they're going to crown her. No. I mean, they are going to crown Rita Bagga. They're they're, they're, they're going to crown. So this is a lesson. In our 90s episodes, um, I don't remember which one. I think it was the one with movies. I think it's the one where Conrado wrongly stated that Space Jam was not a good movie. Um, I hope you all know that it is. Uh, (laughs) He's doing community service for that. (laughs) Um, So I mentioned before, media is always trying to convince you of something. Like always, always, always. and Drag Race is no exception. Like, the editing around Drag Race is intentional and purposeful. They're trying to convince you of something. They're trying to convince you that Rita Baga deserves this crown. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to be like, but Jelani, Rita Baga was in the bottom two last week and the week before. How are they trying to make you think that she's a winner? Because, sweetie, what they're trying to do is create an interesting narrative. It would be, quote-unquote, boring they think it would be boring if you saw like an upward trajectory for a queen, right? Or if you just saw like a queen like Jimbo or Lemon um, or Kine, I said it, um, who's really good, just like power through the competition, right? Like it would be boring. So they create this false narrative of like, we're building Rita up, we're building Rita up, up. Now we're going to tear her down a little bit right before the finale and we're going to give Scarlett a win and we're going to give Priyanka a win and a sort of redemption. And now it's like, oh, who's going to win it? It looks like everybody's got a fair shot. No, we know it's Rita Baga. Since episode one, they were like, oh, Rita Baga, Rita Baga. When she did something truly mediocre and then they were like, wow, you're amazing. I mean, it was clear they wanted her to win. Also, the two times she was in the bottom in the season... They purposely put her in the bottom, having won three challenges to send home tough competition. They knew what they were doing. They put her in the bottom to send home Lemon and to send home Jimbo. Because while Rita's been doing better in the competition, she's gotten more wins. It was a conscious effort. Like, if we put Rita in the bottom with anyone, that other person has to go home. Because Rita has had the most wins than anyone on this season. So, of course, she, she stays over them. And even when they put Rita in the bottom, it feels like they are kind of like, oh, it's okay, sweetie. Like, you just didn't do that great. But, like, we, we still believe in you. Versus other people, when they put them in the bottom, they're like, no, y'all need to go home. You know what I mean? The way that they, like, justify putting her in the bottom also feels like they're, um, they're just, like, in love with her. And they're like... It's okay, you made a mistake, but you're gonna stay. Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy because I again am always a runway girl. I think the challenges are great, but I think the runway really determines things. And Rita does well in some of these challenges, although sometimes they gas her up for no reason, like in the sissy challenge. Not the sissy. I call it the, the sissy the challenge. Lawyer challenge the, the lawyer challenge. The lawyer challenge. Uh. Like, she said two sentences in French, but I could do that. She said two sentences in French and ate a hot dog. Like, right. she, there was no reason to gas her up like that. Je peux manger un hot dog. Like, donnez-le moi. Um, and so, like, to do okay in the challenges, 
but then to come out in these I'll say it bad runways week after I mean most of Canada's drag race for me bad runways bad runways I said it I don't know if it was the themes I don't know if it was the girls they were bad um I have not been like I don't think that there's there's been a few where I've been like that's really cool but I have not been like oh you know that like gasp of like oh my god that's so iconic in the way that I have for a lot of other seasons mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the best, and maybe, and you know what, maybe it is different because, you know, I think Drag Race Girls now, um, they take out loans even for the regular seasons. They're like, I'm going to build this wardrobe up. Um, And I think that while they maybe got some custom pieces and borrowed a few things for Canada's Drag Race, it was still the first season and they weren't trying to spend that coin like that, which I can't blame them. Uh, Drag queens are, you know, amongst our, not poorest, but, you know, they're they're pretty... It's a baby art form. Yeah, or it's not a baby art form, but it's not, uh, you know what I mean? It takes a lot of money to do drag for a little return, right? Yeah, yeah. especially when y'all go to bars and you don't tip. So, again, as always, go to... Well, you can't, but, like, you know, open up your laptop. There are on Zoom and Twitch and all these, you know, digital drag shows... Go see a local digital drag show. Tip a local girl. As um, Daddy Producer Coco has also written in the notes that Drag Race is really the college for drag. You have to take out loans. And if you don't go, you're not that good. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, it's crazy. On brand, on brand. It is. Awful circle. I mean, I think that's also the thing is Drag, drag Race is a pageant. It is a pageant right. that lasts several fucking weeks and is not always you know, like they're looking for a specific winner in the same way that these colleges are looking for specific, um, what are you, students, I guess. Yeah. Um, they're, they're looking, looking for people to represent them in a way that they want to be represented. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how good or how bad you are, what matters, because first of all, none of them are bad. Like yeah. the word bad is also objective, subjective, subjective. Yeah. Because... Objective, yeah. I'm just a big believer and there's no such thing as objective. Like there's no, uh, like everyone has a bias. Um, there's always a bias. Um, no one writes from a subjective place. No one, no one writes from an objective place. No one uh, looks at art from an objective place. Like you're subjective, you have a bias. Yeah. And, you know, one, these judges are clearly always biased towards um, like the more mainstream queens like queens who don't look that extreme or act that extreme so that they can be you know um this is television so that they can you know push them farther and get them to you know they want them to have commercial success not like personal or artistic success really you know thank you oh my god sajda's brain is like linked with my brain and she just (laughs) can say all the things that i'm thinking uh and like, it doesn't matter how you do in the competition. What matters is what they think of you. Mm-hmm. Um, Courtney Act has entered the chat. Courtney Act was phenomenal. And not that she, not that Bianca Del Rio was undeserving of the crown in season six, but like, they were not going to give it to Courtney Act. They, like RuPaul was not going to look at a girl that polished and that beautiful and that amazing and be like, you, you're worthy because she she's a rival she's the competitor you know like in australia and in places that aren't the u.s 
Courtney Act is looked at as a literal superstar. Like she's not looked she's at as RuPaul. a RuPaul. Yeah. Like the the girls love her. Yeah. As they should, because I think she's quite just she's fantastic. Like me too. Like I don't, you know, we don't always stand white people, but I do stand Courtney no. Act. But that was back at a time, remember, when Dragger said, stop relying on that body? Wow. Oh, my God. My, how, how quickly things change. I know. Yeah, exactly. How, how the tables have turned. <laughs> when they were, now it's just like, please rely on that body. Um, please rely on your body. Wrap some yeah. metal around it, and we will award you. <laughs> oh, my God. Quite literally. Which is, oh, God, you guys. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but I'm so sad for my Jimmy Jim Jimbo. Um, although I'm happy that she has a bigger following now than most of these girls and then like than she's ever had, which is great. Uh, I just wish, you know, it's sad that they didn't, the show didn't see her mm-hmm. really. But, you know, again, you don't have to go on Drag Race to be a great queen. And just because That's true. you don't do well on Drag Race doesn't mean you're not a good queen. It means that, you know, the judges were looking for something else. Um, but it doesn't matter which, because... Uh, According to our top three, that other thing they were looking for is um, forgettableness. Because, Mama, I don't know with these girls. Charlotte I mean, Bobo. the one I like most is Priyanka. And even, I mean, I can't make a, a solid case for her win because Mama, her track record was shaky. But I like her the best. I, honestly, I'm like, I hope they've been pushing Rita along so much that I hope they crown Scarlett Bobo, who's always been safe, always been in the background, except for now she won one challenge. I really hope they just crown her because, you know what? Fuck it. No, I really want them to crown Priyanka. Um, just for, like, POC's sake. And I think I would be very excited to see what that win does for her. Um, I like, the problem is yeah, that, like, I'll I don't into that. I don't care, like, about um, Rita Baga, like, getting anything from this win, right? You know what I mean? Like, no offense mm-hmm. to Rita, but I also think that Rita's fine, right? Like, like she... Being on this show is, like, is, is already something for her. You know what I mean? It's already going to help her out in a way that I would mm-hmm. love to see it at least benefit a person of color. Yeah. Also, the thing is, I'm sorry, Rita Baga is a white queen who was unfairly pushed along and like that's not the person i want to award i don't want to award a white person who 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 has they've made it easier for are you kidding me yeah no thank you that's also I think the I thing prefer- is like it's too, too many reality shows focus on making it easier for white people and it's like bitch they already have a leg up in the competition for being white right. yeah. you can't give them an additional leg up right like you what are you doing like, yeah. So I want them to crown Priyanka, like, fairly, but I just because I want to fuck shit up, I'm like, crown Scarlet Bobo. Because I think she's the least deserving. Oops. So I'm like, I hope they just kind of the least deserving queen. Because, whatever. Well, it's a show joke. it seems like we're going to have to wait another week to do that. Ooh, we're going to have a big, big one next week. Ooh, but big bad finale. next week. It's going to be so exciting. I'm so excited. Oh. Mm, I can't wait to watch it and be disappointed. Oh, same. Also, I didn't watch the lip sync this episode either. What was the oh, point? It was. I <laughs> I knew who that. I knew what the result would be. I heard what the song was and was like, I don't need to do this. It was. It was. It was but can we talk? Did you see Jimbo's exit? Yes, I did skip ahead because I was like, I I want to see what the preview for next week is. Iconic. 
I do. We love you. Well, Pod Queens loves Jimbo, and it seems like <sighs> you might actually love Pod Queens. Yes. One of our great friends got us a cameo from Jimbo, and we need to say, like, you know, I'm I I was floored. I watched that cameo. I don't know how many times because of how like in love with Jimbo I am, and so I'm sad that you're not the queen for the people, but you're the queen for me. Jimbo. This is true. Or not the queen of the show. You are the queen of the people, as uh, Instagram has let us know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Well. Well. I think that's it for us this week, y'all. Mm, another another fantastic, thrilling week at the Pod Queen's Land. Ooh. We're so good. I think we're great at talking. Can you imagine? Such a thing? And great employees as well. So I if you hire mm, great productive members of capitalism. Yes, capitalism. Um, you know, ready to earn income uh, and income. Uh, tear it down. Bring value to the workplace. <laughs> to the workplace. <laughs> Also, I'm coming for all of your jobs. Um, mm-hmm. She's an employed queen. She's an employed queen. <laughs> also, very Caribbean, um, if I must say. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about Haiti, but there's a very big, like, um, like in Trinidad and Jamaica, there's a very big saying of, like, um, having many jobs and being able to, like, especially among immigrants in America, like, Trinidadian and Jamaican immigrants are, like, yeah, I've got six jobs. What about it? I'm going to go oh, yeah. do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to do Like my grandmother came to this country in the middle of the civil rights movement by herself and bought a motherfucking house and raised how many children? Four. Four <laughs> children. Four children by herself. Her husband was unfortunately... Um, he did fall into a stereotype of a cheating husband, um, which was not cute, but like she did that shit and she worked like, yeah, three or four jobs at a time. Like go on, go on girl, go on, go on. What a coincidence. That same thing also happened to my, (laughs) so my father's mom, um, same, same woman, same woman, same woman. Oh my God. Uh, her husband came here. He was like making money. He was sending it back. Um, and then he stopped because he started cheating. Um, and she was like, what? And she moved here um, with her children. <laughs> like, truly. And, like, was like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't need no dick. I'm going to make it work. And I was like, power to you. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, like, coming here? What did she came here? I think in, like, 63, 64. As a black woman who barely spoke English? Bought a house? This bitch bought a house. Sorry. I, I will never get over how brilliant my grandmother is. Um, yeah. No, I feel that. We stand. Um, I think about my great grandmother all the time, who was um, on my mom's side. They're just like black, um, <laughs> African American. Uh, so she um, she like was ra- born and raised in the South. She was married at thirteen. She had seventeen kids in her lifetime. Um, I think about her constantly. I'm like, you just had a strength. And a stamina that I couldn't imagine. Mm. So we're dedicating this episode then to our beautiful ancestors and people who have come before us. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Thank y'all so much. As always, please listen, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts. It totally, totally, totally helps. 
Um, yeah, and you can follow us on Twitter at PodQueens. You can also email us any fan mail that you desire at PodQueens at gmail.com. Beautiful. Um, if you want to follow me personally, you can find me at It's Sajda both on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me, uh, Gamal Sawat, at the Gamal on Instagram and at Gamal Tweets on Twitter. And you can follow me, Jelani, on uh, IG at it's pers- oop, it's not that um, <laughs> on IG as Persephone's Garden and um, on Twitter as Queer Messiah. And I think, as usual, Coco will have them linked down below. But if by some means he doesn't do that. <laughs> Um, you have Google. This is true. <laughs> you got Google. Um, you can email us at Pod Queens, and we'll give you the links. We'll send them to, we'll send them to yeah. you. Alrighty. Until next time. P.S. Dot dot. We out this bitch. Pod Queens is a Show Dogs production. Our theme song was written and performed by E.J. Meehan. And our producer is Conrado Falco III. To learn more about Show Dogs, go to showdogsnyc.com. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. <laughs> no, because I don't know, because if we're recording... Um, I don't necessarily want to create more work for Conrado to be like, okay, the video <laughs> actually starts at two minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> chat post the intro. Okay. Um, what am I saying? Hi, everybody. Hey, oh, there you go. And then Gamal just had to jump in. <laughs> I'm a Leo Moon. I know. Center of attention over here. Okay. <laughs> Can I actually start now? <laughs> Take two and action. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, my God. Gamal, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm going to mute you. I swear to God. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm muting you.